The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope brought to you by Enzymedica with host Terry Aranga. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guest illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Terry Aranga. Welcome to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and this program, Autism One, A Conversation of Hope, for Tuesday, December 7th. I'm Terry Aranga with returning co-host Kristen Selby-Gonzalez, Director of Autism Education for Enzymedica, and our guest, Alex Doman. Alex works with therapists and educators modifying music to improve people's listening, learning, and communication abilities. He is the founder and CEO of Advanced Brain Technologies, an innovative neurotechnology company that provides brain-based solutions to consumers, schools, therapy clinics, healthcare facilities, and the military. Advanced Brain Technologies is the home of the listening program. Alex is also co-founder and president of the recently formed Advanced Brain Technologies Foundation, a public charity. He's the creator and co-producer of the multi-award-winning Music for Babies music collection and collaborator on more than 50 other albums, including the Sound Health series and Music for the Mind. He's trained thousands of healthcare, education, and music professionals in the application of music-based therapies around the world. Alex also served as Vice President of the National Association for Child Development and Executive Director of the National Academy for Child Development. He's developed music programs for more than 1,500 families with special needs children and co-invented several acoustic methods to improve auditory processing and spatial perception. These include spatial surround technology used in the renowned neuroauditory training method, the listening program, which is the cornerstone of advanced brain technologies. Alex, welcome. Terry, thank you. Good morning. Good morning, And good Kristen. morning, Kristen. And good morning. <laughs> well, thank you both for joining us here today, and Kristen for coming back and and um, helping out. Sure. Okay. Alex, do you have an opinion about what autism is? Well, um, you know, from my perspective, I, I see autism as a developmental disorder uh, that begins within the first two and a half uh, to three years of life when we uh, see diagnosis. And uh, perceive it as a as a continuum of function from um, mild to more severe, depending on um, the the severity of of symptoms that are uh, exhibited by a child uh, labeled on the spectrum. Uh, and I I see it as something that's treatable and that children can recover from. Um, so uh, highly uh, related to sensory processing difficulties that can be addressed with a, the, the right intervention. Of course, there are other you know, factors involved with, uh, with autism, but basically see it as a spectrum developmental disorder. You mentioned treatment and hope, and what is it about the brains of individuals with a diagnostic label of autism, the brains of anyone really, 
that should give us hope for improvement or recovery? I think that the greatest hope is in the brain's malleability, something called neuroplasticity, the fact that the brain can rewire itself when it's provided the right opportunities with sufficient frequency, intensity, and duration. And and by opportunities, meaning for parents and professionals to look at a child with autism as having absolute unlimited potential. And if that child is given the the right uh, diet, um, environment, uh, interventions, that they they have the possibility to recover because their brain can rewire itself. You know, neuroanatomically, you know, research is showing that there are differences in the brain of a child with autism is as opposed to a quote-unquote healthy brain. But the structure of the brain determines the function, and we know with intervention we can affect structural changes due to neuroplasticity, which is why we all have the potential to learn and grow and develop and do amazing things in our lives, autistically labeled or not. Kristen, as the parent of a child with autism, when you hear statements like those that Alex just made about um, about treatment and um, about how you can improve what's what's going on in the brain, how do you feel? Well, for me, it's you know when you first get the diagnosis and they tell you that you know many doctors will say it's hopeless and there's nothing you can really do. And we know that not to be true today. It's nice to know that there's people like Alex out there that are thinking outside of the box. And, you know, it takes people like that. When you think about even like stroke victims from years ago, you know, if you would lose mobility in your arm or you would lose speech, there were doctors out there that would say you would never regain that. But it took people like Alex and others that were, again, thinking outside of that box and, you know, taking the next step to really discover what our brain is capable of. So as a parent, it's just, it's so wonderful because we don't want to think that our, our child's cemented like this. So I'm, I'm very optimistic and, uh, and very hopeful. Well, Kristen, when you mentioned something like stroke, um, which, which causes an injury to the brain, you know, you're, you're bringing autism onto the biological level. It's not something hardwired. It's, um, can you explain more about what you're saying? Sure. Um, I mean, we've had this conversation before, and I know Alex and I have had this conversation. It's, you know, I don't believe that, um, I don't believe that a child is, and this is my opinion, but I don't believe a child's born like this. I believe that um, what we're looking at, and at least for my, I can at least speak on behalf of my own son, I think I'm looking at an autoimmune disorder. And um, I believe there's inflammation in the brain. I believe that there is viruses in the body, um, bacteria overgrowth, yeast overgrowth, and I believe all of that you can absolutely change and um, start to heal the body um, from the inside out. And so, uh, again, I don't believe it's this neurological disorder. I think there's symptoms of neurological um you know, I guess, uh, deficiencies, but I don't believe that this is something that's permanent, that you will always be this way. It's not like I'm born with brown hair and that's what I have. That's not why I don't believe you're born with this neurological um, deficiency and this is, you know, end-all, be-all kind of thing. Alex, you've helped so many families who've had kids with autism. You've helped so many kids with autism, or that diagnostic label, I should say. How does what Kristen's saying resonate with you? Well, it it does, and you know, I think there are there are more than two camps on this discussion, right? <laughs> so this is, uh, there 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 are these neuroanatomical differences. 
there are biological factors. Uh, I think it's possible that there are genetic precursors that, based on different environmental factors, uh, can trigger what and manifest in what we see as uh, symptoms of autism. You know, my family has treated kids on the spectrum since the late 60s. And um, starting with my grandfather and my father, I'm, I'm the third generation of my family to you know, work with helping helping kids that are involved with with autism and, and other needs. And you know, our perspective has always been that it's treatable regardless of the cause, regardless of what's going on. What are the symptoms? What's underlying those symptoms? And how do we how do we address those? So, um, I I believe enough in the factors that Kristen has talked about that with my my son who is 10 months old that we have been very very proactive in avoiding toxins in his life and other influences that could possibly um, cause, cause a disturbance in his biology uh, that will affect his learning later in life. Excellent. How did you and Kristen actually meet? Well, <laughs> Kristen's uh, son, uh, if I can share Jack's, uh, has uh, been involved and done our listening program. And Kristen and I um, met, and she came and attended one of our training courses, and we we connected. We had a lot of shared uh, thinking and idea and hope, hope for our kids. So uh, it started through her son, Jack's. Well, uh, just to let our listeners know a little bit more about Kristen and, and every Everybody out there, every um, MD, mother determined out there is, is fighting the fight in her own way. But in Kristen's case, she goes out and gets certified or trained in everything, uh, everything, <laughs> and helps her child, helps uh, other other families' children, and um, it's really very cool. So hats off to Kristen. Yes. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, we we you know moms like Kristen are what makes our work so exciting. We we see empowered parents taking control and taking action and not not accepting the limitations that may be put on their child's potential, and they, they go and find answers and solutions. And that's um, I I just can't acknowledge Kristen more for for her uh, mission, uh, not only to help Jackson but to help so many kids out there. Gosh, I, I wish I could meet this, Kristen. I don't know who she is. She sounds pretty cool, though. <laughs> she, she's great. You should, you should know her. Well, um, Alex, you were alluding earlier to the fact that function tells us about structure, and you were also alluding to neurological reorganization, so that if you see deficits in function, then you know there's something going on structurally and you can remediate that. Yes. Can you describe a little bit more about that? Well, you know, one, some of the things that we need to look toward is, you know, what what is happening behaviorally in, in kids with uh, autism spectrum disorders. And I think the area I'd like to, you know, look at most for, for this conversation, what's happening with respect to their sensory system and that system's ability to uh, inhibit and um, filter process sensory input coming in because what what we commonly see are problems um, processing and understanding incoming sensory stimuli. What's coming in through the visual pathways, the auditory pathways, uh, the tactile pathways, and you know even uh, olfactory. You know what the child's smelling, what the child's tasting. That there there appears to be a problem 
with um, processing that information and understanding it, quote-unquote, normally. So we often see behavioral manifestations that are showing us that there is this abnormal response. And I'll, I'll take sound as an example. Uh, we see a high prevalence of kids with autism spectrum disorder diagnoses that indicate hyperacusis or sound sensitivity or phonophobia, which is a fear associated with sound. So there is something happening, a mechanism in the brain that is triggering this abnormal response, which is a fight-flight response, uh, if you will. So it's a survival response of avoiding that input, um, actually shutting shutting down and actually becoming unresponsive to that input or actually having a behavioral manifestation that is an outburst in response to that input because there's a problem with that sensory gate and the ability to inhibit that auditory signal, so it becomes very overwhelming. When you get overwhelmed with that input, then the engagement system in the brain that allows us to make eye contact, to communicate, to interact with others, shuts down when we're in survival mode. So then that child is unavailable. And you know, what we see uh, in these cases are, are kids that are difficult to attend, to communicate, to engage, because they're, they're functioning in survival mode much of their day. Uh, so it's, you know, this is the area I think in particular the parents you know, need to be attuned to and to know that these mechanisms can be, can be addressed and can be treated. Wow, that's a really good point, Alex. So uh, before we go to break, just uh, the listening program would therefore uh, remediate whatever's going on there to make the child more available in other ways? Fundamentally, what we see the listening program do is open up the child's receptivity to their world, uh, to their parents, to their caregivers, to their teachers, to their therapists, to their family members and communities so that they can be more available to receive and interpret and understand the sensory information coming, coming to them. Excellent. And we'll learn more about how the listening program helps affect this for children when we come back. Thank you for listening, and thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica. We'll be right back. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. The Autism Hope Alliance is dedicated to the recovery of children and adults from autism. The goal of this nonprofit organization is to ignite hope for families facing the diagnosis through education and funding to promote progress today. Diet modification, biomedical intervention, and educational therapy have been shown to be successful tools on the path to recovery. Through these efforts, we believe hope will replace hopelessness. Recovery for our children is a reality. For more information, go to AutismHopeAlliance.org. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network.
In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Alex Doman of Advanced Brain Technologies, home of the listening program, and my fantastic co-host, Kristen Selby-Gonzalez, who is the Director of Autism Education for Enzymedico. We've been talking about the listening program and how that can make your child more available to, to be receptive and learn things. And Alex, you were talking about how they wouldn't be in fight or flight survival mode anymore. I find this information really exciting. So let's take a step back and, and talk more about the different sensory systems kind of the nuts and bolts of things, and then we're going to talk more about the particulars of the listening program. Let's, you've talked about auditory, but how does that interact with the vestibular system or the proprioceptive system or vision? Uh, great, great question. So uh, I think w- one of the most helpful things is to know that the auditory and vestibular systems are a, a shared system within the inner ear. We, we have the, the hearing portion, which that organ, reception organ, is called the cochlea. And then you have the vestibule, which contains the utricle and the saccule and the semicircular canals, which is the vestibular system. And these are actually systems that uh, both have sensory receptors that work with the same fluids. And the same nerve actually carries the information from these systems about sound and balance to the brain, and that's called the vestibulocochlear nerve, which is our eighth cranial nerve. Uh, And this nerve carries information to both brain hemispheres. So when we're talking about vestibular or auditory uh, stimulation, uh, it is affecting both parts of the brain as an integrated system. You know, the vestibular system controls our, our balance and our equilibrium, um, you know, gravitational uh, sense, and of course the auditory is our, our perception of uh, audible vibration, which are sounds from 20 to 20,000 hertz. Uh, also uh, within this system is our inner sense of balance and movement, which is called the proprioceptive system. Um, your ability to know and control what's going on uh, inside of your own body to monitor and control your body position and movement, uh, to have your sense of where you are in the physical world is part of that proprioceptive system, which actually has receptors built within the the vestibular system. So when we discuss proprioception, uh, our our sense of our internal body, 
our vestibular response balance and equilibrium and auditory system, our hearing sense, these are shared integrated systems that all influence one another. All right, and I had read an article by a behavioral optometrist who actually found that sometimes children with vision problems, uh, the this school, you know, concentrated on finding some auditory problems. Do you have an opinion on that? Well, there, you know, these are linked systems. In fact, we work with behavioral and developmental optometrists that use the listening program as part of their vision therapy treatment programs because they find that the visual system is more responsive uh, when you're also stimulating the the auditory system, not necessarily simultaneously, but in concurrent uh, treatment, auditory therapy within the day and visual therapy within the day. You know, the ocular control uh, is very much controlled by the vestibular portion of, of the ear. Uh, that is helping to control the the eye's gaze and movement in response to to its environment. So these are closely interconnected systems. And auditory work helps not only children with autism, but children with cerebral palsy, traumatic brain injury, birth trauma, seizures, and other things. Is that correct? Well, it helps all of us. So... Um, you know, we, we all have auditory systems, and we live in an environment, Terry and Kristen, that, that is very compromised in, in regard to the auditory stimulation that we're, that we're receiving, uh, something we, we discuss, toxic noise, this noxious, unwanted, unstructured sound that causes stress and anxiety. Uh, at low and at high grade levels. And in fact, some research has been done to show that noise can kill cardiac patients. Uh, they, they have documented research that noise kills and can affect somebody with pulmonary artery disease. So no, noise is a real factor, and we're in a world that is getting increasingly noisy by the day. If you could see the noise in your environment, you wouldn't tolerate it because you'd be in a dark room uh, if you had a visual uh, analogy. So what's happening is we have these auditory systems that have uh, a challenge in filtering information. That's part of what they do. The auditory system brings information in, but it also filters extraneous information out. When there's more extraneous noise than structured sound in the environment, we begin to get a, a lot of the wrong input in. It actually can cause hearing damage at certain volume levels and, and other behavioral communication. Uh, difficulties uh, in in response to it. So it's important for all of us to get very healthy, natural, structured sound that the brain can take in and help to organize itself and heal itself uh, as an anecdote to this toxic noise that we're that we're all exposed to. And that would kind of like be the difference between listening to Mozart and the uh, or. Work, walking through New York City. Right. So if we, we think walking through, and I love walking through New York City listening to Mozart. So, <laughs> so you know, when, when, you're in, when you're in New York, you're getting a certain noise level of information coming into the system, and you 
go into Central Park and you get some reprieve because it's a quieter space and you can hear nature. And, you know, New Yorkers are very fortunate to have that beautiful park in the city. And then to actually hear a quartet play within that park, they're getting the best auditory experience they can within that environment um, because the, the music is highly structured and organizing and, and resonates with the brain's desire for structure and novelty uh, in, in a helpful way. Okay, so let's, let's uh, apply this to autism. So for many children with autism, and you refer to children who have hyperacusis, and many parents know that their children are, um, are going about with their hands over their ears or their fingers in their ears. It seems as if these children are in a state of, of constantly walking around New York City. Mm-hmm. Right. So what's what's happening? Why are they covering their ears? Because their brain is not inhibiting the sensory input. So in the case of hyperacusis, that auditory input is overloading. The brain doesn't inhibit it, meaning it can't block it out, so it becomes this dominant, overwhelming sense. We don't have earlets, so the closest equivalent to closing our eyes to block out the input is to actually cover our ears to do so. And then we're blocking out communication and engagement at the same time. So when we're looking at a program like the listening program, we're trying to improve the brain's ability to inhibit that input with automaticity. So like you or I, we're we're able to filter out that information that's unneeded or unwanted. Now, granted, you don't have to have a diagnosis of autism to have hyperacusis. I suffered with hyperacusis as a child and as a teenager. Uh, did not have that diagnosis, but it had a severe impact on learning and communication for me personally uh, because my brain wasn't filtering that input properly. Okay, so in a nutshell, um, basically the listening program takes a child from being in a chronic state of New York City to a serene state of a string quartet playing Mozart in the park. Um, in, in many cases, I wish it were in all cases, but in a, in a, a large percentage of cases, absolutely. Uh, we, we give them that ability to have serenity and calm. And Kristen, how have you seen this work out in Jackson's life? Oh, my gosh. Um, I was blown away because I, I had a little guy who wouldn't even put headphones on, and I remember when I first met Alex, He's like, don't worry. When you put the headphones on, it's going to melt like butter. I swear. And, like, <laughs> I put him on. And, like, literally, like, he did. He melted like butter. It was like he just loved it. And, you know, it's so funny because we've now been on airplanes, and he'll ask me for his cultured vegetables and his classical music. I swear everybody on the airplane thinks my kid is the most sophisticated child there because, you know, he really knows that it makes him feel good. And he, you know, he sits there, he listens. And not only do we do, and we haven't really got into this with Alex, but we do, because the, the program is five days on and two days off. And on his two days off, he still wants to listen just to, just to you know, just regular classical music, but not even anything that's, you know, designed specifically, uh, you know, to help his uh, vestibular system in that way. But um, very, very positive um, I love that my little guy loves classical music now. It's such a great exposure. And he's um, we've seen him advance. We've seen him uh, throughout uh, the time we've been doing it. We've seen his fine motor. We've seen his creativity. Uh, we've seen his gross motor, his, um, his balancing. Um, he's been able to, uh, you know, try things that he wouldn't have tried before. And I, I have to believe that it was definitely due to this being a piece to what's helping Jackson and, you know, figuring him out. 
And what do you think that speech quality has to do with listening? I've heard your little guy speak. It's so cute. <laughs> well, I think that um, I think if we can't, if you're not able to hear things or filter things, I should say. Um, imagine if you were underwater and or you had cotton balls in your ears. And I think that it's been able to help Jackson and uh, being able to understand him better, but also for him to understand us better. When we're actually going to the speech language pathologist, he can instead of looking and reading somebody's lips, I think he's able to uh, to hear it better and. Uh, he's been able to comprehend what we're saying because if you can't hear somebody, how are you supposed to comprehend them? We've seen his comprehension level, oh, my gosh, increase 10 times, maybe even 20 times. I mean, the kid understands to now go get his shoes and go put them on. And, and if I ask him go get dressed, he'll go get dressed. If I ask him to go get his backpack and put it on, he will. For years and years and years, that I could ask him that and he would just look at me. But imagine if I was speaking Russian to him. I think that's what it must have felt like for him. And it's really cool is that, uh, you know, so many people out there think that if a child isn't doing something, it's a behavioral thing. Mm-hmm. But it's actually a list, it could actually be a listening thing, as you're illustrating, and the listening program helps with that. So we're going to go to break and talk to Alex more about how this works. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. To perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On Mind, Brain, and Body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health & Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. Most chronic health problems are caused by the interaction between genetic susceptibility and environmental exposure. This was defined 10 years ago by the Centers for Disease Control. Join Dr. Robin Bernhoft for 21st Century Medicine. We will cover the whole spectrum of chronic illness and little-known medical treatments that are being used to make you healthier. 21st Century Medicine airs live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. 
welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Alex Doman of Advanced Brain Technologies, the home of the listening program, and my dynamic and vivacious co-host, Kristen Selby-Gonzalez, Director of Autism Education for Enzymedica. And before it gets away from us, Alex, uh, what is your website? Our website is www.advancedbrain.com. That's the website for Advanced Brain Technologies. Okay, great. And Kristen, yours? Oh, uh, Enzymedica site? Yeah, and you also have AHA. Oh, okay. So Enzymatica is www.enzymatica.com. And then if they want to look um, into a great nonprofit, that's our cause, is uh, www.autismhopealliance.org. Okay, very good. So, Alex, what's the importance of recognizing where each child is developmentally insofar as guiding their, the therapeutic choices for them and appropriate timing? Well, developmentally, we, you know, it, it's not about age, right? It's where, where is the child in their neurological organization. And to get, it, to get a baseline understand, helps us understand where to begin. Um, not every intervention, not every treatment is appropriate for every child. A child needs a, a holistic, comprehensive um, program that is addressing all of their needs based on where they are today. And, um, you know, where a five-year-old child uh, diagnosed with PDD is compared to another five-year-old child diagnosed with PDD, they may be in very different places developmentally. So it's about assessing uh, their baseline so we know the appropriate place to start so that we know that we can reach them at a place where they are receptive and can help to move them forward. Uh, I know that's a bit very generic response, but, you know, truthfully, it is, it is about where are we so we know what, where is the correct starting point. Okay, and now how do are we sequence interventions for them? All right. Are you talking about within the whole wide world of intervent, available interventions, or are you talking about within the listening program itself or both? Well, I'm talking in the whole wide world of interventions uh, and uh, absolutely within the listening program itself. I, I come from a, a background of looking at a profile of neurodevelopment. Where is the child organizationally between the brainstem and the cortex in their sensory input channels and their motor output channels? So where, where is our baseline in each sensory channel and each motor output channel, and how are we observing them in terms of behavior, function, and communication? Uh, learning and creativity. And once we understand where that baseline is, we, we know where the right starting point is in terms of what we're providing to them. Uh, with a listening program, uh, it's as simple as looking at things. For example, there are different protocols. There are different programs and different protocols. Uh, we need to understand what a child's attention level is so that we know how long we can maintain engagement with headphones on and what activities are going to be appropriate for them to remain engaged as we're doing that listening. Uh, what's the appropriate amount of input to start stimulating their brain without overstimulating and over-arousing them and actually going the wrong direction rather than helping them actually having a negative response to the input that we're providing. Okay, and while you're doing this, you're growing neural pathways in a, in a particular manner. Is that true? 
we believe we're growing neuropathways in a particular manner. We have not done imaging studies with a listening program, nor have they been done with uh, other uh, listening-based therapies in terms of looking at neuroauditory plasticity responses. However, research has been done by uh, Michael Mersenick, Nina Krauss, and others that does show that specific auditory stimuli does cause reorganization in the auditory cortex of the human brain. So if you have salient structured sound that is delivered uh, with an appropriate regime that you do get neuroplastic responses, meaning changes in neural pathways, and as you get that structural change, we go back to structure and function, we see functional and behavioral changes in response. So okay, the system so begins responding more appropriately to input. So the auditory work uh, not only impacts auditory pathways positively, but also other senses and skills. We, we see a generalization as the, and one, one way to think about it, Terry, is this auditory system is much like a conductor, and it's helping to conduct the integration of our, of our senses, uh, starting in a part of the brainstem called the reticular formation, which uh, regulates our sleep-wake cycles and our arousal. So just at this fundamental, one of the things that we see in response to listening are improved functions such as sleep, um, because we, we believe we're seeing a me- mechanism triggered that's helping uh, the brain to go into appropriate cycles, uh, sleep-wake cycles, and once we get the brain in the appropriate cycle, then we're seeing obvious benefits from improved sleep quality in, in the other areas that we're working on with a child. Good, good, good. And I understand that there was a study from Great Britain that involved potty training even. There was. There was a, a pilot study that was funded in part with the National Health Service uh, that looked at continents in kids um, with developmental quote-unquote disorders, including a number of children with autism. And in the pilot, the... Um, study looked at a course of the listening program uh, with what's called bone conduction technology, which uh, we, we can discuss a bit later. And the study was just looking to see if the children would be more available and responsive to the standard NHS potty training protocol that is done through their incontinence programs. And more than that, uh, it actually went beyond the hypothesis. And in the study period, seven out of 11 children that were believed to be unresponsive to the continence protocols, potty trained fully in the That's course of so the awesome. study. And the other four showed dramatic improvement in response to the, the intervention. So the, the outcomes were absolutely overwhelming. And the study was precipitated by anecdotal reports of therapists, uh, occupational therapists and parents reporting kids improving potty training during certain phases of the listening program. So this was followed up in a, in a pilot study and has provided a, enough evidence to you know, warrant looking at a fuller-scale trial to investigate this particular application of the program. Well, it just shows the importance of regarding the body in a holistic way and how all the parts work together. And there was another uh, pilot study published in the Journal of Music and Medicine about the listening program, helping children with Down syndrome improve their speech skills. Yes. um, You know, kids with uh, uh, Down syndrome, you know, historically have uh, pretty severe auditory and, and language delays. And 
This study investigated a group of kids uh, going through a similar protocol, in this case without the bone conduction, to look at uh, attention, uh, communication, uh, learning potential, and found very, very good outcomes for these, for these kids. So we've been mentioning bone conduction. What is it? Why does it play such a valuable piece uh, in regard to your program? And I know, Kristen, you're also a provider of this, and you've done this with your son. So Alex and Kristen, tell us about this and what you've seen. Absolutely. So we, we hear through two, through two auditory pathways, Terry. We hear through what's called the air conduction pathway, where vibrations uh, of sound travel from the external environment through the outer ear down the auditory canal through the middle ear, and then stimulate the cochlear and vestibular organ. So that's the air conduction pathway. There's also a bone conduction pathway that actually uh, transmits and processes the sounds of our internal body and our external environment also to the auditory and vestibular system. So there are two natural pathways for hearing. The best way to think about this is if you've, for example, Terry, you listen to a recording of this radio program and you listen to your voice, uh, when you've heard recordings of your program, if you noticed uh, your voice sounds different than it sounds to yourself when you're just speaking? Yes, I've always wondered about that. Okay, so, <laughs> so the difference is when you, when you are speaking and hearing yourself, you hear yourself primarily through bone conduction. Actually, the sound conducted in your body is sent directly to your auditory system and brain before you hear it in your external environment. It's actually a faster pathway. So when you hear that recorded sound, you're not hearing it through bone conduction. You're hearing it through air conduction, so there's a very different quality to your voice. So by using a, a bone conduction audio system, which uh, we utilize at ABT, which is a, uh, a headphone that has a, um, what's called a bone conduction oscillator or a vibrator built into the headband, and that ties into a very small pocket amplifier that connects to an iPod or CD player that's delivering the listening program. So the sound goes through, and while you're listening to the music, you're also getting vibratory input of the music going through your musculoskeletal system, providing the same music, and it's actually audible simultaneously. And what we see through that simultaneous delivery, and it's very subtle, some don't even feel the vibration, but it's happening, is that it provides a grounding and a calming, organizing effect through the vestibular uh, stimulation that's added with the bone conductor as opposed to air conduction only. And probably the, the most significant breakthrough in the 11 years that the listening program has been available is the introduction of this integrated auditory bone conduction stimulation. Oh, this sounds very cool. And what are some other unique points of your program? Uh, for example, what's the difference between auditory integration training and the listening program? Um, I, I actually uh, practiced a form of AIT three years clinically, um, so uh, researched that at the National Association for Child Development, so I'm quite familiar with AIT, and we were very excited um, by doing that because we had uh, referred uh, children that we worked with to Tomata Centers over the years, and then when Guy Berard developed AIT and it came to the U.S., we were excited to bring a shorter course intervention that looked very promising. AIT is essentially a 10-hour protocol where children listen to music, that um, pre-recorded music, 
that is acoustically modified to uh, change volume characteristics in the sound and a little bit of the tonal frequency characteristics, primarily geared toward reducing hypersensitivities, phonophobia uh, in kids, and was very, very popular in the early to mid-90s for autism spectrum disorder. So it was pre-recorded music processed through a device called an audio Kenetron, uh, and there were other devices listened to through air conduction headphones. And the music was popular music and a variety of different music uh, that was designed to be very random. Uh, the listening program, uh, the similarities are that you listen through headphones and that it's music and that it is modified in some way. But the music is very different. We actually uh, arrange and record our own classical compositions from the ground up for the program. Uh, that music is then modified in the studio with what are called digital signal processing techniques that change the volume characteristics, the frequency, the timing, and the spatial perception of the sound, which are the four fundamentals of how the brain recognizes and understands what sound is. So we're working on more sound features. And within that sound, we then build an overall program. And that program uh, is followed for a course of 50 hours total in 15 to 30 to 60-minute uh, sessions each, or daily listening time total, 15, 30, or 60 minutes. Within each 15-minute module, uh, we have what's called the ABC Modular Design, which is proprietary to advanced brain technologies, in which we go through a warm-up, a training, and a cool-down phase in each 15-minute cycle. All right, and we'll talk more about this when we come back from break at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. Are you finding fitness a chore? Is health and nutrition too time-consuming for you? It doesn't have to be like that at all. Tune in to Fit Fan for Fun, lifestyle fitness with your host, Shira Litwack. Every week, Shira and her guests will show you the fun side of fitness. We'll invite you to send topic suggestions and questions via email, as well as call into the program. You'll get sensible fitness and nutrition advice in a relaxed and fun program. You won't look at fitness as an enemy ever again. Fit Fan for Fun airs every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
The Autism Hope Alliance is dedicated to the recovery of children and adults from autism. The goal of this nonprofit organization is to ignite hope for families facing the diagnosis through education and funding to promote progress today. Diet modification, biomedical intervention, and educational therapy have been shown to be successful tools on the path to recovery. Through these efforts, we believe hope will replace hopelessness. Recovery for our children is a reality. For more information, go to AutismHopeAlliance.org. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. of Advanced Brain Technologies, Home of the Listening Program, and Kristen Selby-Gonzalez, my co-host, Director of Autism Education for Enzymedica. Before the break, Alex, we were talking about the ABC modular design and how it helps children be ready to receive information. Yes. So briefly, every time the child does the listening program, um, the first five minutes of the music starts with a slow tempo of music, uh, so the pace of the music, and that gradually becomes faster. So from a mid-range to faster tempos, the complexity of the music changes and the level of treatment to change the volume and the frequency and the spatial perception changes. So for five minutes, you're essentially warming up and doing a gentle training. In the middle five minutes, which is called the B phase or training phase, we're doing the most intensive stimulation. Then the C phase, we're gradually decreasing the intensity of the sound and then finishing with a very gentle sound. So this is all designed to help regulate uh, the state of arousal and that fight-flight response. So the stimulus doesn't actually trigger a fight-flight response, but actually allows the child to be relaxed and receptive to uh, what we're doing with the listening. Uh, This is the only auditory intervention that actually has that design built within it. And Kristen, how have you uh, found that to work for Jackson as opposed to, say, you know, maybe some other things? Well, I can tell you that um, prior, a few years prior to, um, you know, finding out about the listening program, we had done an AIT version, and that is what gave Jackson the, um, the that's what gave him uh, the ability of not wanting to wear his headphones. Like, he basically would not allow anything to go on his head, not a hat, not a headband, not um, earmuffs, nothing. And that was, I believe, due to that there wasn't that warm-up, workout, and cool-down phase. It literally, I think, um, it freaked him out a lot, and I think it um, it shocked his system without having that warm-up, workout, and cool-down phase. And I always think about it is when you're at the gym, and what do you do first? You warm up, and then you work out, and then you cool down. And that's how our bodies um, really seem to uh, to regulate better. And he's he's doing amazing on the listening program. Great. And, and to our listeners, of course, um, different children react differently to different interventions. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's that way with, you know, uh, adjunct therapies. It's that way with biomed. Um, you know, my stepson did well with AIT, but not my son. So di- um, different children react differently to different things. And, Kristen, I'm so glad to hear about um, how wonderful, how uh, well Jackson's done with the listening program. So, Alex, do you offer a home program, or how much follow-up is needed? Well, the, the way that the listening program is structured is that we, we train licensed healthcare and educational professionals as certified providers of the listening program. Uh, there are over 5,000 trained worldwide uh, working on every continent but Antarctica. 
so um, the program is widely accessible, and it was designed to be a home program so that the child doesn't, isn't required to go to a clinic each day for their therapy. Uh, the parent actually uh, purchases an, an iPod or a CD system uh, with, with headphones and then follows a home protocol that is overseen by the certified provider that is helping them gauge the progression of the program, the actual schedule, and to monitor their responses to the program along with the parent. Uh, in addition to the home programs, there are actually specific school programs which are new that are designed for a, a wide implementation in the classroom. Uh, we've been doing school programs for many years, but we actually have new school programs that are just being introduced. Is there some funding for this through school programs? Uh, we have um, many public schools that offer uh, the listening program as as part of the curriculum. Uh, this has tend to be tended to be funded through IDEA funds, uh, Title One and Five Hundred Four programs, and then many schools have actually allocated general budget to the program because they've seen the great response in in their kids. Uh, and this is both in the public and private uh, educational systems. And what are your plans for the future? Oh boy, <laughs> they're they're immense. We have uh, we always have new programs in development and new technology. So uh, we're we're excited to bring some new things to uh, to society that we believe are going to take the results we get today and and greatly enhance them. And I, I'm not at liberty to go in great detail, but um, people that are familiar with our work will be be excited by what's coming. And the most exciting thing is uh, two books. Uh, that are actually uh, in process. One book I'm writing with Dorothy Lockhart Lawrence that is specifically about the research and applications of the listening program for kids with autism spectrum disorders. Uh, we, we anticipate that book. We're still uh, seeking a publisher, uh, but we hope to see that come out next year. And then I've written a book with uh, Don Campbell, the author of The Mozart oh. Effect. Wow. And uh, this book is called Healing at the Speed of Sound. And uh, that is slated to be released next fall from Hudson Street Press, which is part of Penguin USA, and we're very excited about this project. Okay. And I just got a text from Kristen about her plans for the future, and it says, I'm opening a clinic in Antarctica. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was like, oh, bring, bring your you. sun visor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like all confused. I'm like, well, Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, Kristen, would you like to, to leave parents uh, with a take-home message? I, I really think that, um, you know, a lot of us are so afraid to try new things or we think about something after, after we hear about it and we think, oh, that sounds like a good idea. And, you know, I really think that after listening, you know, uh, if this makes sense to you, re really research it, um, you know, call up the listening program, see if there's any questions that they can, you know, further ask. But, you know, if it makes sense to you and it feels right, I really think follow your gut. I'm so glad that I did that with my son. And, you know, remember that it's each day is a new day. So take it day by day, minute by minute, and really remembering that progress for one provides hope for all of our kiddos out there. Absolutely. And, and again, to listeners, Kristen does have an educated opinion because she's gone out and learned about umpteen gazillion things. So um, it's, it's absolutely wonderful to have your opinion on this, Kristen. And, again, uh, Alex's website is www.advancedbrain.com. And, Alex, I'd like to thank you for sharing your time and information about this cool therapy for kids and adults with autism and other conditions. Terry, thank you so much for the opportunity. I, I really enjoyed the hour.
And to our listeners, the Autism One Conference is coming in May 2010, Autism Recovery on a Budget, Empowering Parents. Check out the website at www.autismone.org later this month for more information and how to register. And thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica, manufacturers of fine digestive and other enzymes to complement your therapeutic diet. To our listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Enzymedica would like to thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Terry or get more information, visit AutismOne.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga.